European Hearts Journal issue at a glance. Volume 39, issue 37, focus issue on heart failure by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Heart failure, drugs, surgery, and assist devices. Although medical research commonly begins with a description of the topic of interest, eventually it should provide causal relationships that are the basis for future developments of therapeutic interventions. While in the past, physicians mainly relied on their experience based on cases or case series, Sir Austin Bradford Hill showed in his seminal trial on streptomycin in tuberculosis that only randomized trials can provide conclusive evidence. This is analysed in the field of heart failure by John J.J.V. McMurray and colleagues from the Western Infirmary in Glasgow in the UK in their article Association is not causation. Treatment effects cannot be estimated from observational data in heart failure. The authors remind us that perceived treatment effects are often inferred from non-randomized observational studies that have inherent biases and limitations. They analysed non-randomised drug therapy studies in patients with heart failure on the effects of angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors, angiotensin receptor blockers, beta blockers, mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists, statins, and digoxin, and compared their findings with those of randomised controlled trials. For example, Two pivotal randomized controlled trials showed that mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists reduced mortality in heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. However, only one of 12 non-randomized studies found a similar benefit, with 10 finding a neutral effect and one even a harmful effect. They conclude that while trials undoubtedly leave gaps in evidence and enroll selected participants, they clearly remain the best guide for the treatment of patients. To date, clinical evidence of microvascular dysfunction in patients with heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, or HFPEF, has been limited, although it has been proposed as a major mechanism. In an ESC fast track entitled Prevalence and Correlates of Coronary Microvascular Dysfunction in Heart Failure with Preserved Ejection Fraction, Promise HFPEF, Sanjeev Shah and colleagues from Northwestern University in Chicago, Illinois, USA, investigated the prevalence of coronary microvascular dysfunction and its association with systematic endothelial dysfunction, heart failure severity, and myocardial dysfunction in an HFPEF population. Among 202 HFPEF patients, 75% had coronary microvascular dysfunction that also had a higher prevalence of a history of smoking and atrial fibrillation. Worse coronary flow reserve was independently associated with higher urinary albumin to creatinine ratio and NT-pro-brain natriuretic peptide plasma levels and lower reactive hyperemia index, tricuspid annular plane systolic excursion and right ventricular free wall strain. Thus, 
These are the first prospective multicenter clinical data to demonstrate a high prevalence of coronary microvascular dysfunction in HFPEF and its association with systemic endothelial dysfunction as well as markers of heart failure severity. Whether microvascular dysfunction is a promising risk marker and therapeutic target in HFPEF is further discussed in an editorial by C. Noel Barry Metz from the Cedar Sinai Medical Center Schmidt Heart Institute in Los Angeles, California, USA. In patients with severe left ventricular dysfunction, Drug therapy, whether oral or intravenous, is often not efficient. In such patients, left ventricular assist devices of various types are indicated. In their article, Six-Month Outcomes After Treatment of Advanced Heart Failure with a Full Magnetically Levitated Continuous Flow Left Ventricular Assist Device, the Elevate Registry, Finn Gustafsson and colleagues from the Rigshospitalet in Copenhagen, Denmark, tested in 540 patients enrolled in the Elevate registry six-month outcomes of the HeartMate 3, a fully magnetically levitated continuous flow left ventricular assist device. Full cohort survival at six months was 82%, with major bleeding occurring in 25%, major infection in 35%, and stroke in 5%. Functional capacity improved significantly with a prolongation of the 6-minute walk test by 230 meters, as did quality of life. Freedom from unplanned rehospitalizations at 6 months was noted in 68%. Thus, the six-month outcomes of the highly reliable HeartMate 3 show a low incidence of stroke and improved functional capacity and quality of life in patients with end-stage heart failure. The findings are put into context in an editorial by Oscar Miro from the Hospital Clinic of Barcelona in Spain. Hypertension is a well-known risk factor of coronary artery disease, or CAD, heart failure, and dementia, and a leading cause of premature death. In their article, The Association Between Blood Pressure and Long-Term Outcomes of Patients with Ischemic Cardiomyopathy with and Without Surgical Revascularization, an analysis of the STITCH trial, Beat Anderson and colleagues remind us that there is little information about the role of blood pressure on outcomes of such patients. This was investigated in 1,212 patients with ejection fraction less than or equal 35% and CAD amenable to bypass grafting who were randomized to coronary artery bypass grafting or medical therapy alone in the STITCH or Surgical Treatment for Ischemic Heart Failure trial. They found that neither a history of hypertension nor baseline blood pressure had any significant influence on long-term mortality, nor did they have a significant interaction with medial therapy or bypass grafting. Landmark analyses showed a progressive U-shaped relationship that became strongest at five years. The relationship between diastolic blood pressure and outcomes was similar. 
The most favourable outcomes were observed in the systolic blood pressure range of 120 to 130 millimetres of mercury and 75 to 85 millimetres of mercury diastolic, whereas lower and higher blood pressure was associated with worse outcomes. Of interest, this is the range of target blood pressure currently recommended by the ESC-ESH guidelines on the management of arterial hypertension. This issue is further complemented by a selection of discussion forum contributions. The first relates to the paper The Heart Regulates the Endocrine Response to Heart Failure Cardiac Contribution to Circulating Neprilysin by Mathieu Arrigo and colleagues from the University Hospital Zurich in Switzerland. In their contribution, entitled Plasma-soluble neprilysin levels are unchanged during recovery after decompensation of heart failure, a matter of the magnitude of the changes in systemic hemodynamics. Hiroyuki Takahama and colleagues from the National Cardiovascular Center in Suita, Japan, comment on this article, and Arigo and colleagues respond appropriately to it in a separate contribution. The second discussion forum deals with the paper Bromocryptine for the Treatment of Peripartum Cardiomyopathy, a Multicenter Randomized Study by Denise Hilfiger-Kleiner and colleagues from the Hanover Medical School in Germany. In their letter, Anne Schoed Ersbol and colleagues from the Rigshospitalet in Copenhagen, Denmark, comment on this article, and Hilfiger-Kleiner and colleagues provide proper answers in their comprehensive response. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.